1: and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. you can follow the podcast on Twitter at lockedonpackers you can like us on Facebook you can subscribe to the podcast iTunes Spotify Google Podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find Locked On Packers the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened they want to know why and how Locked On Packers is brought to you by Built Bar Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar go to builtbar.com and use promo code lockedon to get ten dollars off your first order, Andy Herman from Packer Report and the Packaday Podcast is on the show. I don't know what that second thing is. I don't. Are there other podcasts besides ours? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but he's on the show today to talk about a piece that he wrote for Packer Report about a potential scenario that could have Aaron Rodgers. Out the door sooner than you may realize and this was not a clickbait thing this was a real well thought out well reasoned piece that he put together and I think the discussion around it is fascinating because it really does make sense and Andrew Brandt you know who was with the Packers organization when they drafted Aaron Rodgers uh, was in the room when Aaron Rodgers signed the contract uh, th- he was like Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback for very long in Green Bay. A year, max two, and that's it. And so that's why I think this is a a conversation worth having. Maybe if the offseason process were different, if we had mini camps, all those things that, that we'd have a different discussion around Jordan Love, I think it's unlikely in year one that we know enough about him. Although right now there are some hints based on particularly some of the East Coast State governments, New Jersey, New York, that could allow for training camps and, and even a mini camp in June. And so that would mean that, that the NFL season would be on track, more practices for these guys and more opportunities for a guy like Jordan Love to get some on-field reps. So something to keep in mind there as well. Before we get to that conversation with Andy, ESPN's Football Power Index came out with its preseason Rankings, And it was based on a power ranking of projected win totals, their quality of each team based on what they're going to be in 2020. And this is not just how many games are they going to win, but how good are they going to be schedule coming into play, but also adjusting for schedule. You know, an an eight-win team that has a tough schedule is maybe different than a six-win team with an easy schedule. They could end up with the same number of wins, but one team is clearly better. Now, the Packers came in as the 15th best team. And I asked Seth Walder about this, the ESPN analytics guru who put this together. And I said, hey, man, what's the deal? And I was actually asking about the Seahawks. But he said, well, last year, despite winning 13 games, ESPN's Football Power Index, the FPI, had them as roughly the 10th best team. The betting markets have them now as an eight, eight and a half win team. Well, before the draft, they were a nine and a half win team. Then they fell to nine. And now as momentum has built, this negative narrative around the team has congealed and this is a team that Vegas is projecting to be more like an eight or nine win football team. Now, the question is, is it fair? And I do wonder how it would change if the betting markets hadn't shifted so significantly. FPI is based in large part on the markets, presuming that the markets are smart. And, that, and, and I think that's a, a fair thing to assume. Vegas tends to get these things right. Now, there are, of course, myriad other factors that FPI incorporates. But what I think is interesting is when you go back and you look offensively in the NFC, for example, and you say, okay, well, the Packers, they were a fraudulent 13-3 team. and team. And look, I don't think they were a 13-win team last year. They were more like a 10-1. Max 11-win team that won 13 games. They got a little bit lucky. But when you go and look at the offensive DVOA, Football Outsiders puts together their defense-adjusted value over average. In the NFC, only the Cowboys, the Saints, and the 49ers had a better offense than the Packers in 2019. If you go to defense, and let's look at the most important defensive statistic that is passing defense only the 49ers Vikings and Bears had a better passing defense which means the two most important things offense and passing defense only one team was better than the Packers at both of those things last year and that was the 49ers this is relevant as we try and project forward The cowboys had a better offense but a significantly worse defense that worse defense is now even worse the gap has widened because the packers defense should be about the same if not better with some internal development assuming injuries are roughly the same and the cowboys lost their best cover corner byron jones their defense theoretically should be worse the vikings who had a better pass defense than the Packers, who most agreed had a better roster last year. Their defense was only two spots ahead of Green Bay's in DVOA by pass defense. They got significantly worse on defense. Everson Griffin gone, Xavier Rhodes gone. Basically, their whole secondary has been revamped and replaced mostly with rookies. They're going to be worse. Green Bay was already better than them in two games, and now the talent gap has fallen. Green Bay was better than Philadelphia last year. Now, in the game that they played, they lost. But Green Bay, over the course of the season, was better. They were better. And you say, okay, Darius Slay, Javon Hargrave. Okay, that's helpful. Green Bay's best defensive end, best edge pass rusher, is still better than Philadelphia's. Their best cornerback, it's at least a conversation. Who knows what Darius Slay is at this point in his career. In 2020, Darius Slay and Jair Alexander, probably a wash. Now we're talking about premium position players, best offensive tackle Lane Johnson, David Bakhtiari. Okay, about a wash. Devonte Adams is way better than any receiver that the Eagles have. You could say Zach Ertz, but Devontae Adams is a better, more impactful player. And then it's Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz. Okay, maybe maybe you think Wentz is better, but what's the gap? So I don't. I guess I don't understand why the Packers, who were better than these teams last year, And who, in the case of the Vikings, beat twice. And in the case of the Cowboys, beat down without Devontae Adams on the road. And now, all of a sudden, they get worse. Worse. In a projected starter standpoint. Because, look, CeeDee Lamb is a stud. I really like Trevon Diggs. The Cowboys are going to rely on rookies to get better. And they still don't have anyone that they know can cover like Byron Jones can cover. And their defense was bad last year, even with Byron Jones, because they don't have a secondary pass rusher. Who is who is rushing the passer for Minnesota? Who is rushing the passer? I mean, th- there are there are big questions with these teams. And yet when we look at the the futures odds, Green Bay is not getting the same kind of respect as teams that they beat last year. Seattle, same thing. Seattle FBI has a top 10 team. Aaron Schatz chimed in on Twitter in a discussion that we were having that Football Outsiders was higher on Seattle than he expected. They got worse. They were an 11-win team that got worse. They got worse at offensive tackle, and their best maybe only pass rusher is not with the team anymore. They were a a below-average defense last year, and they're now worse. And they're a team that, okay, if you're going to say they rely on Russell Wilson, that's great, they do, but they don't do it in the way that a team like The Packers with Aaron Rodgers or the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes rely on their quarterback. They want to run the ball. They just signed Carlos Hyde for crying out loud. So I just – some of this doesn't compute for me. They – I understand the regression standpoint from Green Bay. They won a lot of close games. Seattle won more. They had had a seven-point point point differential last year. I mean, they had a historic run of winning close games. They're going to regress, and they got worse talent-wise, and the division got better. So, why are they seen as a significantly better team than the team that handled them really in the playoff game last year? Is it because of how they played San Francisco? Because there were a lot of other games that they played last year and they lost a bunch of them. In all the games that they played, they lost six of them. And the playoff game that they won was against Josh McCown. So, congratulations on that. A lot of this just still doesn't make sense to me. And I'm just, I'm not going to pretend that it does make sense. But what does make sense is finding a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Because when you want something healthy, you don't want to be reminded with every bite that you're eating a health food. You don't want to feel like this is work. It's not with Built Bar. This is legit candy bar stuff. I'm telling you, I thought my double chocolate ganache bar was a Three Musketeers. It was that good, even creamier, honestly, than a Three Musketeers. It was so delicious. They have 16 flavors. They have chocolate and nut flavors, chocolate and nut-free flavors. We're talking about 100% chocolate on the outside. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're perfect for the health-conscious person, whether that's you or the person in your life. Right now, Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at Bilt Bar. And if you're looking to make an impact on more than just your taste buds, you can do that at the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where you can make all of that happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself what's your warrior and text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769. All right, let's get to our conversation with Andy Herman. You can listen to him on the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find his writing at Packer Report. He is also an analyst over at the Pro Football Network. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Andy, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Peter. Uh, congratulations, first of all, to you and your family. Super excited for you. And uh, always happy to talk some Packers here on Locked on.
1: Oh, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm I'm coming to you able to speak in, in complete sentences for the moment. Uh, unclear if that will last. And it is certainly possible that my son interrupts us at some point in this process. And, and some might say that that is preferable, that they'd rather hear him talk than me talk at this point. So uh, let's dive in here because the reason that I wanted to talk to you was you wrote a piece, uh, I guess, a week ago now for Packer Report about the timeline you joked that it was a little bit of a of a click troll i, I don't I, first of all do you believe that or or is is did did this come from a place of like no this is this is a
2: real thing well yeah so um, a couple things. So first of all, I wrote two articles. One I titled "Clickbait." When will the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers? So I did that a couple weeks ago, and that one was kind of making fun of this idea of, of clickbait, and um, and even that was kind of tongue in cheek, where I was trying to have a little bit of fun with it. And that was just some interesting Aaron Rodgers trade scenarios that will probably never ever happen within the course of the next few years. But I went team by team and went, you know, how each team could theoretically trade for Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and when they could trade for Aaron Rodgers. So that was kind of a a tongue-in-cheek clickbait article and then last week um i I wrote the the article of you know why aaron Rodgers could get you know or how he could be traded sooner than maybe you think and uh that was not in any way shape or form intended to be either tongue-in-cheek or seriously a clickbait um article it it was the the idea came to me um and and kind of how the article came to me was the, the, the pick of Jordan Love in and of itself, from a, a strategy standpoint, I understood. I agree with the, the Ron Wolf concept that you can never have enough players uh, at the most important position in all of sports. Um, the, the player is, is certainly has some flaws to his game, but I understand the value of Jordan Love with that pick. I don't necessarily mind using a late fourth round, which is basically a fifth round pick to go up and secure your guy from, from a philosophy standpoint and all those sort of things. I understood the pick. The one thing that I kept coming back to that I had such a hard time understanding was when does the pick ultimately kind of make sense? When does it pay off? When is that window kind of open for it to really, you know, make sense? And that was why, or what I had such a hard time understanding, because I think we can easily say that for the most part, the Jordan Love selection does very little to help the Aaron Rodgers window of trying to win a Super Bowl. And kind of on the flip side, the longer Aaron Rodgers is here, the it kind of takes away a little bit from Jordan Love's window, at least from the extent that if you want him to succeed when he has a very small contract and you can surround him with a ton of talent, well, that window kind of goes out the you know, out the window, I guess, um, if you are continually paying Aaron Rodgers uh, during that time frame. So, the whole you know, idea of the article was trying to figure out when does this make sense to happen? And that's kind of how it came to fruition.
1: So uh, there are a lot of pieces in this that I, that I want to get into because I think there are some fascinating facets to it. One thing that I believe has been a little bit overblown in this discussion is, oh, well, you know the value of a rookie quarterback is in the rookie contract and it's something that you talked about in your piece that if you're going to va- if you're going to maximize the value of having Jordan Love that what you really want to do is have him for the maximum number of years on that rookie contract personally i think that the value of having a good quarterback outweighs the value of of anything else obviously a good quarterback on a rookie contract is the best thing that you can have my feeling is sort of if he's good who cares Sure. But this feels like the jumping off point for you, this idea that, okay, how do we make the money work for the Packers so that they can not only maximize the Aaron Rodgers value and maximize the, con- the the contract with Jordan Love, assuming he's good enough to do it? And we have to add that presupposition because none of this works if Jordan Love doesn't show enough for the Packers to be confident enough to make him the guy.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of put three contingencies on it. And that was certainly the biggest one that in some capacity in year one for this to happen. Um, and again, the entire article is is based upon the idea that Aaron Rodgers could be traded as soon as 2021. Um, and again, the entire theory behind that starts with, you know, Jordan Love has to show something. And um, I, I think there's this idea that it's, of course, going to take him a couple, you know, two, three years uh, in order to, to really kind of You know, reach his powers or at least start to recognize what he's capable of at an NFL level. And I agree with that. I just ultimately think that you could make an argument that you know, Green Bay has a better idea than we may think by the end of year one. Um, You know, Mike, uh, excuse me, um, TJ Lang just tweeted, uh, you know, that he knew within the first practice whether or not a a rookie was going to be able to make it in the NFL. And I'm not sure, you know, that we have a great uh, idea of TJ Lang's evaluation skills from a player personnel (laughs) standpoint, but um, it's telling nonetheless that he felt that he had at least some grasp of it by practice one. And I think the Packers are going to have certainly a feel for it by the end of year one Uh, in some capacity of what they have in Jordan Love. But let's assume again for this situation that they do have the feeling that he's at least a good to really good quarterback and ready to play going into year two. Um, You know, the the first thing as I mentioned was the the salary cap uh, could really make some sense. Um you have the the idea that, you know, yes, you would take the huge cap hit with Aaron Rodgers in the in, in next year in 2021. It's a 30 plus million dollar cap hit, which immediately kind of triggers this red herring of, oh, well, they can't take a 31 million cap hit because it's going to tank them financially. And there's no way that that's going to be able to work. Well, there's a truth to that. Yes, there is a $31 million cap hit. However, it technically saves them $4 million plus in next year's right. salary cap. So it'd have been yes, more if he were huge, still on the team. Correct. Exactly. So yes, it's a huge pill to swallow. And yes, you don't, you know, want to make a habit out of paying 30, you know, 1 million to people who aren't on your roster, but you can easily make it work feasibly from a salary cap standpoint next year. So I think that's kind of the first red herring to get over is that, oh, they can't do it because it's this huge hardship. And then you know the second thing is you know you would not pay Aaron Rodgers a dime in the next two years. So in in 2022, 2023, you know you don't pay him a single penny in that scenario, which is really the the advantageous portion where it potentially opens up that window where Jordan Love's only making three million uh, in that in that 2022 and four million in 2023, right around there. So that you'd have the ability to surround him with a ton of talent, and then kind of above and beyond that, it really kind of goes into you know well. Aaron Rodgers probably has the most trade value in 2021 than he would in any other season, um, and I think you could also make an argument that if you really did want to groom Jordan Love for those, you know, 2022 and 2023 seasons, that you know, having him sit behind Rodgers for a year and kind of learn everything. And then having him play for a season in which it isn't super high stakes, it's going to always be high stakes because he's following uh, Favre to Rodgers and they just traded Rodgers away in this scenario. So it's certainly high stakes no matter what, but you're probably not going all gung-ho and crazy in that first year when you're paying Rodgers $30 million to not be on the team. So it kind of gives him a season to get his feet wet a little bit and then two seasons to hopefully take off when he's playing at a super low cost and you can surround him with a ton of talent plus potentially with a couple premium draft choices that maybe you would get in an Aaron Rodgers deal as well. So that was the, the theory and the idea behind the article.
1: Well, and a couple things here, right? The the first is getting the on-the-job training experience. If, if you're waiting two, three years for Jordan Love to play, he's got to be ready to play right away then. I mean, that's that for your team to make sense, That that has to be the situation. I think what's interesting is since you wrote that piece – you pointed out the other day on Twitter just how many players and, and core members of this player of, of this team we're talking about are twenty-five or under. And that there's actually a case to be made that Jordan Love fits the timeline of this team a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers does.
2: Yeah, I think you can certainly make that argument with with the talent that they have that's 25 and under. And certainly some of that is still some untapped talent, but uh, talent that they would have over the course of the next five years. I mean, David Bakhtiari's is still 28. Zari Smith's 28, uh, or 27, excuse me. Um, you know, Amos, Preston, you know, Rashawn Gary is still super young. Darnell Savage, Kenny Clark. I mean, the, the core of this team, Devontae Adams is still going to be around for a while. The, the, the core of this team is still very, very young. Um, and, and really the players that they have over 30, the, the really the only ones that kind of matter, Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby. And, and if Jordan Love is good, it takes care of that first one. And, uh, you know, even for a kicker, I guess it's not impossible for, you know, players to play into their 40. You see Adam Vinatieri, I guess. But if that's the one th- you, you, let's just say this, you're not making any of these decisions based off of your kicker. So, uh, you know, I do think you're you're onto something there. That 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 window does open up. I think you have the potential of you know maybe getting like I said some premium draft choices back for Aaron Rodgers that increases that window even more. I think you open up some long term salary cap that could help you keep an Aaron Jones and a David Bakhtiari and a Kevin King and and those in you know long-term Devonte Adams and those type of players you know some of those guys probably not going anywhere anyway but it certainly allows you to keep pretty much anyone that you want especially by backloading some of those deals and potentially bringing in some free agents in in you know future seasons cuz again you're dropping 30 million off your cap by not having Aaron Rodgers. So there's a window there in 2022, 2023, where the core of this team is still very much there, playing at a very high level, understanding the Matt LaFleur system at at a very high level because it'll be, what, year three and four uh, of his reign at that point. I just think that if you look at those two seasons, there's a way to open up a very serious window during that time, but there's a lot of risk obviously involved as well.
1: Yeah, and and I think part of of this is obviously to say, hey, d- don't rule any of this out. There, there's a very good case, or or all of this could potentially happen. Not necessarily a prediction from you, although I would I would certainly love to hear your prediction. But uh, first, I want to ask you this: If Brian Gudekinst and Mark Murphy they zoom they zoom chatted with you tomorrow, and and God help us if they did that, <laughs> um, and they said, hey Andy, what do you think? How do you think we should handle all of this with the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan love thing? What would your counsel to Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekens to be?
2: Yeah. Again, thankfully this will never be the, the situation <laughs> for everyone involved. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is, is trying to figure out first what you have in Jordan Love. And again, that's the biggest caveat here of everything. And, and it may be even a little bit tougher to tell with the current situation, yeah. uh, not having a full off season. Uh, you know, who knows what, what the, the actual season's going to look like. Um, even things as simple as, you know, something that's so important for Jordan Love to pick up is how Aaron Rodgers handles media sessions and how he handles the the press conferences and things like that. Well, if those things don't exist in, in 2020, that, that that's tough out obviously for him to kind of pick up in what Aaron Rodgers does but if Jordan Love comes in and shows that he's kind of that 2018 version of Jordan Love that he shows command of the offense that he's not turning the ball over that he gains the respect of his teammates in practice that he shows that he can lead a team you know if he has that type of ability and let's say Aaron Rodgers just kind of stays the same or maybe regresses a little bit to the point where maybe he's like the what like the 10th 11th 12th best quarterback in the league somewhere in there where he's still a top third quarterback in this league but you think that maybe you know Jordan Love can be the I don't know sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth best quarterback in the league? You know, is the difference between the the seventeenth best quarterback and the the twelfth or eleventh best quarterback that great that you wouldn't sacrifice thirty million um, and uh, a couple of premium draft choices potentially to kind of make that move? Um, this is not going to be easy. At some point, there's going to have to be a difficult decision that's made. And I think we all remember the, the Viking scenario. And I, I think you look at it this way, Ted Thompson got that right. He nailed it. He he got the right quarterback. They developed him perfectly. They had, they got a new franchise quarterback to follow after Brett Favre. Um, They won a Super Bowl with them and everything went about as perfect as you could want in the post-Farve scenario. And it still stings. It still stings that Packer fans had to watch Brett Favre don a purple jersey and play for the Minnesota Vikings. So Mm -hmm. even if you handle everything as well as Ted Thompson and the Packers did post-Brett Favre, there's still uh, kind of a stain on the organization for having to have to go through that entire scenario. So There's going to be some tough decisions ahead and there's going to be some situations and scenarios that fans are probably not going to like. Um, But, you know, use your best judgment and and find the best way to make the Packers successful long term. And if there's an opportunity to do that um, while getting a major return for Aaron Rodgers and you think you have what you have in Jordan Love, then sometimes it's better to rip the Band-Aid sooner rather than later.
1: Aaron Rodgers in a 49ers uniform is going to be a trip for a lot of Packer fans, I'll just... Say yeah. that now. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be great. So, so let me put you on the spot here. Uh, a, a, a year from now, and I don't just mean Aaron Rodgers because they have a lot of decisions to make on on guys like Corey Linsley, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, etc. Um, Let me ask you, the a year from now, the biggest moves of the offseason for the Packers that we're going to be talking about are what?
2: Um, I think you'll see extensions for David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. Um, I think Corey Lindsley will not be back with the team. I think that this will be Corey Lindsley's last season. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers will still be a part of the the Packers organization in 2021, Um, and I don't think there'll be any sort of move at the quarterback position. Um, So I think Aaron Jones really becomes what and Kevin King. I think those two are the key talking points going into next season. Um, What money they have to to kind of spend on those players, how well A.J. Dillon plays, um, what kind of contract that Aaron Jones is looking for. And, uh, you know, if they have the trust and faith in Kevin King, if he goes out and has a tremendous season, you know, do they have the money to go out and spend for him if he's, get, you know, garnering, you know, top cornerback money and free agency next season? I think I think King and, and Jones are really the ones to, to kind of keep a, a close eye on as we eye the, the 2021 season. All right. So take a stand on this, Andy. Come on now. Take a stand on on what the biggest move we're going to be talking about is? I just want, I really want you
1: to take a stand on Aaron Jones. That's who I I want. I want to know if you think they're going to make a move on Aaron Jones.
2: I think they're going to keep Aaron Jones, so we'll we'll go there. I think they're going to keep Aaron Jones. I think they're going to try to uh, put together a a two-headed running back with with Jones and Dylan. I think they're going to try to get him maybe closer to like eight or nine million per year for about three seasons. Um, Something that would be amicable, you know, amicable between both sides. Um, And I think I I just think they complement each other very, very well. You know, the the question with Aaron Jones is, you know, can he handle a a twenty-five, you know, carry a game, you know, for for sixteen plus games in a season? you know that shouldn't be an issue anymore I think the question is, you know, how dynamic down the field as a receiver is A.J. Dillon going to be able to be? I just think they complement each other very well, and I think you can, you know, grind teams out with Dillon and then come in with Aaron Jones and have him, you know, kind of explode and do his thing. So I think they complement each other well, and I think they're going to try to hold on to both. The only thing that could really potentially throw a wrench into things is, again, one, if, if Kevin King shows up and they need to give that money to King, or two, if there's just no salary cap money because the salary cap takes a huge dip next year, which hopefully isn't the case.
1: Yeah, let's think let's think positive thoughts with all of that. So, all right. Well, uh, I I think a lot of Packer fans would be pretty happy with all of those outcomes. So uh, you are uh, always appreciated for coming on and sharing your insight. Andy, let my audience, if they don't already know uh, where they can find the work that you do.
2: Yeah. Thank you. The, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Um, of course you can follow along at the Pack a day podcast and, uh, you can find me on pro football network, uh, as well with a, a podcast every Wednesday with Tony Pauline. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me, Peter.
3: Hey, listen up FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's killer bread, it is the epitome of addition Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
1: All right, I want to thank Andy again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And I, I my, da- my dad sent me a note recently, and he was like, you know, I really appreciated your your show the other day because you didn't talk about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and I'm sure he's not the only one that felt that way. I'm sure a lot of you are like, do we really have to keep talking about this? But the reality is, look, it's the end of May. And the answer is yes, we are going to keep talking about it. It is a fascinating thing to talk about. And one of the reasons why we're going to keep talking about it is because the rest of the team is is so similar. There's a lot of of congruency between what we saw last year and what we're going to see again in 2020. So we're going to talk about that. I know not everyone was, was thrilled with every discussion with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, but... I was certainly pleasantly surprised that so many of you responded positively to the Nick Vile episodes. Uh, Nick was great, and I had a blast talking to him, and I'm glad that so many of you enjoyed that as well. I think getting a fan perspective versus a media perspective was was certainly uh, refreshing. So many of the guests that we have on here are media, although every once in a while I have, you know, sort of ex-media. You know, someone like Michelle Bruton, not technically sports media. Uh, she she was in a past life and, and still kind of is, but most of her perspective is as a fan now, and, and it's great to, to get her on, and, and in fact, we are past due getting her on the show, so I will change that very soon. Tomorrow, speaking of getting fan perspective and media perspective, Thorn Nyström, who is a Minnesota fan, a Vikings fan, unfortunately for him, is on the show. He is a NFL draft writer over at Roto World to talk about Kamel Martin our Kamel Martin Rookie Orientation series will be tomorrow and then on Friday we will take your questions I just got a really great question I was was looking at it on Twitter Um, a terrific what if so send me your what ifs we're going to do a full what if mailbag show on Friday everything that you want to talk about all the sliding doors all the counterfactuals let's get into it send them to me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski send them to me on the feed for the, the podcast at Locked On Packers, send it to me on Facebook. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And remember, if you want to send me your what ifs or anything to the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341 3775 to stay Locked On Packers.